Welcome everyone to episode 5 of Darcel Disappoints, a collection of conversations with me, your host Benjamin White, and Craig Redman, the creator of Darcel. In the four previous episodes of Darcel Disappoints, we have covered Craig's journey to the USA, the creation of Darcel Disappoints, collaborations with multiple brands, including Colette, the beautiful and iconic Parisian boutique, with founder Sarah Andelman joining us in episode four. And today we're delving deeper into some of Craig's greatest interests, art, popular culture, and fashion. Hey, Craig. Hey, Ben. How are you? Very well, thank you. How are you today? I'm doing super good. Super happy to be talking about my uh, trio of favorite interests. (laughs) Great topic. Great topic for this episode. Am I right in saying that we're currently in the middle of or at the end of New York Fashion Week right now? Have you been up to anything? We are in the middle of, actually, we're just at the end of it now. Um, I did do a couple of things. I went to a show and I dragged my butt to a couple of parties as well. I feel like I've done the Fashion Week rounds for uh, since the beginning of time. So my interest maybe in the particular events wanes a little bit, but it's much more fun for me to observe it um, from the sidelines and behind the screen. It's really funny, I suppose, like uh, having done that circuit for a bit like seeing some of the uh the more sage heads like you know doing the same thing as you and and standing at the side and watching kind of like the uh the hot young things coming through and uh, and being all terribly excited about it that must be quite funny to observe now it is it's really funny um you know there are the industry veterans who when you're at a, a fashion week show for example like the industry veterans who know to get there like one minute before it starts and to rush to their seat and to leave the minute the show closes because of the rush that happens afterwards there's the there's the younger kids that want to uh get noticed as much as possible so they get there early and leave late so they can milk as much time in front of the cameras it's really fascinating to watch it's kind of hilarious yeah well i bet it's great for you the 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 people watcher i bet you love it (laughs) absolutely raising my eyebrows in the back row (laughs) <laughs> let's talk about style then if we're if if we're talking fashion pop culture art like style seems to be a very very important part of your work how do you define your your personal style and, and how has it evolved over time i'd say that calling me an observer is a pretty accurate description of me in the sense that i am a keen observer of like trends obviously not to a, a kind of slavish degree but just like being aware of like where art culture and fashion i guess is kind of moving at a particular point in time what their references are and i think that comes from my work as well like especially with my character darcel you know darcel references a lot of pop culture moments so to do that i need to be constantly aware of what's going on within my world and also within the world as a as a bigger idea i guess so I guess it's really just being aware of things that are happening around me rather than like, I don't, I don't think it's my personal style necessarily. It's just being keenly interested in, in the world, in pop culture and in fashion and in art. And, and what, role does, what role does fashion play in your creative process then? I, I mean, I'm definitely inspired by like, by fashion, but I don't think I'm like inspired by a particular garment for example, but I'm inspired by like what is happening in fashion, you know, at the moment, for example, like 
a lot of labels kind of reference like mid noughties kind of fashion at the moment. Um, and I think that's kind of an interesting cultural reference. I guess if you're like a 30 year old fashion designer, you know, that was when you were very young and maybe your parents dressed that way. So it was kind of amusing to you. To me, who's like lived through it, it's kind of looking at it as a, at a, through a different lens. But I think it's kind of cool to like see other people's perspective on like uh, what they think modern current trends are, what they think is fashionable and like kind of reassessing like my own thought process at the same time. It's really funny. I remember being uh, a 10 to 15 year old, like around that age. And I remember there was a point where like, Flares came back and platform shoes came back. And I remember my parents saying like, ah, in the seventies, I remember, I remember my dad said he broke his ankle wearing a pair of platform (laughs) shoes. And, and I always remember just thinking, oh my God, like that will never be me. And you're right. Like you look at fashion now and you see like these late nineties references and, and, uh, and into the noughties. And, and obviously you created Darcel in 07, 08. So that whole reference to like um, an egg on stilts with the black skinny <laughs> jeans and um, and all of that kind of stuff. So it's really interesting to to have been able to nurture a style and a brand for long enough to see things come full circle a little bit. Like how does how does that feel um, to be able to to now comment on things that you remember covering uh, before? I mean. Let me say this. There's a reason the original Darcel is essentially naked and egg on stilts. It's because I did not want to have like anything that linked him to a particular like time. You know, the idea was to like have him be this kind of character that could evolve through the years and decades as it's come to be without the character looking like it belonged in 2007, 2008 when I uh, first kind of invented him. So I think that was a good decision. On my Very good decision. Make him timeless. <laughs> I always wanted him to have like one fashionable element as like a nod to like my interests and his interests, which was the wood grain glasses. It's kind of like the only thing that is like uh, fashion centric about Darcel. And I think that's good because they're kind of like a unique thing. It's never really in or out of fashion. It just kind of exists as part of Darcel's style, which is great because keeping that kind of simplicity has allowed me over the years to be able to draw Darcel in all kinds of situations. I've covered fashion weeks for a bunch of different publications from interview magazine to nowness. And because of Darcel's kind of blank slate, you know, I've been able to like impose that kind of style on other people's fashion ideas. Right. So if I would go to a Marc Jacobs show, I could draw Darcel at the show, either in the clothing or as uh, an audience participant, right? So you can kind of like bring those two worlds together, which is kind of cool. Very cool. I also love, like we recently had Super Bowl, and I love that you were able to delve back into an archive and pull out a picture of Rihanna, or we had the Grammys recently and Beyonce scooped four awards and you were able to pull out an older picture of uh, of Beyonce. And it feels like you have this kind of archive back catalogue of, uh, of all the stars and all of the styles that you're now able to kind of like repurpose. That must be a, a really nice feeling in terms of a, a catalogue of, uh, of back content. Yeah, the archive is deep, 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 deep. <laughs> Beyonce is actually pretty um, consistent with her look. So it's actually not too hard to like pull from old uh, illustrations that I've done of her 
and use them now, you know, just kind of got similar hair and stuff. Rihanna, when I was digging through the archives to find something for, for Super Bowl, you know, she changes her look all the time, different hair, different kind of aesthetics. So I kind of found one that was from a while ago that kind of looked similar to her now. I mean, that's part of the secret to like pop success, right? It's like the Madonna effect where you kind of like reinvent yourself over and over again. Rihanna is particularly good at that. So we've spoken there a little bit about pop. <laughs> Who are some of the people that you um, admire the most in the world of art and fashion? My number one from the first day I started art college till today is Warhol. That's a kind of a corny answer, but for me, he's like king in the art world in the sense that I, he kind of changed the public's perception of uh, art, which can be an elitist kind of thing, right? He kind of turned it into a more of a mass idea. And also like that he kind of had this whole social scene connected to his work as well. So Warhol is absolute king for me, Every, everything about him. Another couple of like classic artists that I love, definitely Matisse, both his like earlier style and his later kind of paper cutout style. I absolutely love both mm. of those. Van Gogh, stepping back another um, century, absolute <laughs> king. I love his work. It's so good. Again, both Matisse and Van Gogh are very graphic, which appeals to my, my like graphic sensibilities. You know, it's like bright colors and relatively simplistic shapes. Um, love, love, love those guys. Contemporary artists, I really love the work of Alex de Corte. He is, I think he's based in Philadelphia and he creates kind of um, these immersive environments that like directly reference pop culture and things that we all experienced growing up. So I, I, I love his work and I love the, the spaces that he creates. He kind of invites you into as a visitor. And I just saw the Alex Katz show, I guess a month or so ago at the Guggenheim kind of like a retrospective of his work. Um, I think he's 90 something now, um, but I've always admired Katz's work and it was really, really cool to be able to see like multi-decade kind of retrospective of his stuff. So, so, so cool. That's the That's art front. I mean, fashion yeah. is a whole other beast, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm really keen to know though, like, you know, who who do you, and it's a, it's a funny one, isn't it? It's so subjective, I guess, art too, right. but, but, but fashion is just wildly you know, different, I think, in the sense that you have fashion that is appliable, but then you also have, you know, crazy catwalk fashion and <laughs> fashion week fashion, which is, you know, it's intended to be out there and kind of create ideas and inspiration and concepts. And so I'm, I'm really eager to know, like, um, on, on both scales, but I say more particularly, like, in terms of inspiration, which designers and, and which kind of fashion houses really kind of pique your interest. I think from, like you said, there are so many facets to it. I think just from a pure personality, fashion personality, Karl Lagerfeld is king, right? The, the wit and the personality that came along with um, Mr. Lagerfeld when he was alive. Just, I just always thought it was so irreverent and like, try, like obviously his work is very serious and maybe not to my particular taste exactly, but like the, his, Charisma and his wit, I always found just enchanting. A funny story about Mr. Lagerfeld. I was lucky enough to meet him. One time he came to my uh, exhibition, an exhibition I had in, in Paris at Colette. And I was introduced to him and we had a, a, a quick chat and he was uh, kind of gesticulating wildly with his hands. 
And as we were chatting, a couple of the rings, because he's known for wearing a lot of rings on his hands, flew off his hand and kind of flew into the air and landed on the kind of marble floor that we were standing on. And the whole room went silent as these rings just like bounced <laughs> across the floor. And who, who, who was sent to go and collect those? Oh, there was like a coterie of people who uh, assisted in <laughs> scooping them all up. It was a beautiful moment. He was totally unfazed by it, which is magical. I, I love that as well. And like, it's a great one to, to have. I think in terms of um, like everything about Karl Lagerfeld was like curated. Like his, his look, his shtick, his, you know, right. his, his hair, and then through to the fashion. And, and I just, it feels like, it, it it almost feels like performance art. Would you agree? Like everything that he did embodied uh, some sense of performance and some sense of style. Like even in his downtime, I imagine that's kind of how he rolled. Yeah, and I think Warhol was also the king of that, right? Like turning his whole life into a, an art piece. I think like uh, Lagerfeld is having a retrospective at the Met um, this year. I, I guess it's in March or April which I'm very curious to see as well, like a big kind of retrospective of his, uh, his designs. I think it'd be nice to see like that, that cross section as opposed to just thinking about, I don't know what he did for Chanel or, or Fendi. Mm. It's going to be cool to see like this uh, broad spectrum of, uh, yeah, of stuff. A celebration of him as opposed to his work. Yeah, definitely a mixture of both. In terms of other fashion designers, like probably my favorite at the moment is, um, Willie Shabaria is an American designer um, that's showing at the moment. I feel like his, uh, his particular take on contemporary fashion is super, super interesting. And I'm like a Marnie stan as well. Marnie's like an Italian label from way back. And even though they kind of like are constantly having different designers work in their collections, I love the kind of general aesthetic that they have. Uh, and God knows I'm always digging through the money section of a Mr. Porter Sale. It's my favorite place to be. Really? <laughs> yes. I think often with art and fashion and culture, like the, the people or the brands that kind of transcend, like that often happens when people take risks. And I think this is something I've been meaning to ask you throughout our series, because I think you did that with Darcel. I think you, you know, by creating a grumpy uh, observer on uh, society and culture, you took a risk. That was something that I don't think many people have done. And Sarah Andelman, in fact, said, like, your ability to, to do that, to, to document life as it happens around you and do it so simplistically is kind of like, in her words, it's the thing that only real geniuses can do. So you must pat yourself on the back for that, Craig. But can you tell us about like how you decided to take that risk in your work? It, I can't because it's super easy for me to remember. It's, it happened. My brain literally switched into another way of thinking when I moved to New York. I grew up in Australia into my late twenties. I moved to New York in my late twenties. Obviously the cultural shift was quite significant um, and I guess it was just a particular point in time where I kind of reassessed what I'd been doing. Was the work I was creating before making me happy? Was it interesting? What was I contributing to the world? And I was just like, I don't, I don't like it. I'm not even interested in it. 
why am I trying to create things that other people are interested in or what my perception of what other people want is. This is my opportunity, a new life in New York. This is time for me to be able to wipe the slate clean and create things that I'm purely interested in that I think are unique and offer a different point of view. Because that's really what I think everyone is searching for, a new voice, a different point of view, something that gives you an insight into the world that you haven't really thought about before. Um, I, I remember a particular uh, piece of art that I did when I first moved here. I forget exactly what the brief was, but it was something like, it was like a New York theme to it. And traditionally I would probably create a New York cityscape uh, in an interesting and cool way, reference the Statue of Liberty. And I remember thinking, why? <laughs> why would I do all that? We need just one single thing that represents New York. So I just drew a hot dog and that was it. And <laughs> I, I guess that's nothing, not particularly innovative, but like in terms of like a, a mental shift for me, it was like, okay, I don't need to come up with this like cliched convoluted message. You can deliver the same kind of message in a simple, direct way um, that's relatable to more people. And that shift is really what changed things for me. That's really fascinating. And I suppose like the, the Darcel hot dog is kind of iconic now, right? It, it's it's uh, made many appearances and, and people, you know, use it in, in all kinds of instances. I think that's fascinating. I think I also think about other interviews I've heard where people who really kind of transcend and, and make a massive impact, like Jeff Staple, as an example, like asked by Nike to personify New Yorkers in a sneaker and he, he chose a pigeon. Um, and exactly. you know, that took, that took a real sense of bravery. Right. And that's a kind of exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And now pigeon is essentially his logo, right? He can, he can use that and it becomes immediately identifiable with, with him and his brand. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a hilarious thing to be able to reference because when I think New York, I think pigeons, sure. Gross <laughs> and horrible and everywhere. And like, it's a great reference point. I'm really curious to know like how you stay current and how you stay inspired uh, in what is like a constantly evolving industry or industries when we think about fashion and art and uh, and culture like it just moves at such a pace like and what is it that kind of drives you and keeps you keeps you current and inspired as I say I think it's purely as simple as just being interested in in fashion and art and popular culture like if you're forcing yourself to be interested in those things, then of course you're probably not going to be following that closely. It becomes a, a chore, but I am just genuinely interested in those things. So therefore they're constantly on my radar and I'm thinking about them all the time and I'm looking into what's changing. And, you know, because I kind of operate in that world, I guess I'm part of it as well. A lot of my friends uh, working, in fact, all my friends working like fashion and art in different ways. So I guess you just kind of get into the habit of being aware of what's going on. And yeah, it's just a genuine interest. Like I really love creative industries and creative fields and those particular fields like speak to me directly. Um, so of course I, I want to see what's going on. I want to know what new shows are on in New York that I can go and visit at galleries and museums always aware of various fashion weeks. I have the designers that I'm interested in. I always check what collections they're doing. 
uh, same way with uh, graphic designers or artists. Like I always want to see new work and new progress from people that I'm inspired by. That's, uh, that's, I was a little bit of the next question I was going to ask, which was like, do you have rituals? So are there magazines that you still subscribe to? I don't know if magazines are still magazines, (laughs) (laughs) podcasts, magazines, blogs. I think there's something to say still for magazines in a way, isn't there? Like to be able to flick through something. You want to convince yourself of that? (laughs) (laughs) How do you envision the future of fashion and art? I am very curious about the future of fashion and art. This kind of actually plays in, a little bit to what we were talking about before, where I feel like definitely fashion and art are, are, are co-joined and they reference each other. But I do feel like fashion, you can somewhat predict the future of fashion in that, you know, it's constantly referencing a particular moment in time. And if it's referencing, say, 2006, right, is kind of current trend, you know, in it kind of moves year by year. So next year, it'll be 2007. The year after, that'll be 2008. Of course, there'll be a modern take on those kind of trends from that era. But, you know, just having observed it for a long time, that's definitely like the way fashion kind of works. Whereas I see the art world is less referential of uh, previous trends or previous points in time and is more like, how do we fuck up contemporary ideas? which I think is kind of interesting. That to me is art is more challenging because when I see like super new artwork, I often don't understand it. Even though I am immersed in that world, I look at it and think, what the hell? I don't understand the context for it or the materials or, or anything like that. So I think it's cool to have a mix of the two. That's what interests me. Right. I don't want to be like totally off the radar in the art world or uh, maybe referencing only previous generations in the fashion world, I think that kind of like amalgamation of those two um, approaches is pretty interesting. Fascinating. I love that. And I, and I, I think it's, you know, it's quite a philosophical question I asked you. But <laughs> totally. I, I, I think like in terms of the direction of these things, I, I often, and I agree with you, I often am in the middle of it and think what earth is going on and then look back on it fondly two or three years later and think oh that was quite cool or that was tragic or whatever but exactly it's it's really interesting and I I always have such admiration for the people who are in the thick of it and guiding it so to speak you know the people that are making it happen like I often wonder how they pluck these ideas out of obscurity or how they make the decision to just pull something back that everyone's like no way and Again, it's bravery, right? That there's a real element of bravery in this whole thing that, and risk that that I guess some people are just tuned into and, and others aren't. Having the bravery to put yourself out there and ideas that you think are right, um, it, it's, it's hugely admirable for sure. If I think like, you know, fashion houses, fashion industry, generally it's kind of like a team that works on a concept and builds it up to a finale, which is a show. And an artist traditionally, you know, will be developing ideas uh, on their own and putting those ideas out there. So I think, yeah, I mean, whether it's a team or individual, like being brave enough to throw yourself on the line out there like that and have the public comment on you all the time, 
if you're an artist, you know, you have a same in fashion, right? You have people reviewing you, uh, people on social media talking about you and your new work. It's a, it's, it's a fascinating way to kind of like be brave enough to like live your life like that. So full credit to them for sure. Can you discuss a, a specific project or a piece of work that you feel showcases your unique perspective on fashion and art? My favorite sort of series ever is uh, Andy Warhol's series called Death and Disaster. Uh, I think it's late 60s Warhol, so relatively early. Um, and it's a series of his paintings about electric chairs, like really gruesome car crashes, mob killings, uh, all this kind of imagery taken from uh, the front page of newspapers and lots of found imagery. Uh, so really super dark, dark stuff. But being Warhol, he's kind of like re contextualized it in this like super pop vibrant way and i just love that dichotomy like it's such a strange juxtaposition and seeing those kind of images and messages delivered in that way makes you of course rethink uh maybe your cliche thoughts about those ideas it's really really fascinating also that series is so beautiful just aesthetically so beautiful to look at which is even weirder considering the context so it's I think a super confusing and super amazing series of work. That's always my like uh, mental reference for everything to get to that kind of spot, that weird quirky feeling spot. I love that. I love it. I love it. And I, I've just, while you were talking there, I quickly brought it up and you're right. It's kind of spooky and weird. And yet through his kind of poppy style, he's able to, uh, to make you look at it in a different light and perhaps like examine it a bit closer as opposed to just kind of get the ick with it, which is really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, he's got a very particular, or had a very particular lens on the world. And I think that series sums it up pretty well. That concludes episode five of Darcel Disappoints. It's been fantastic learning more about your views on these topics and art forms. Um, I'm really looking forward to catching up with you again for episode six, where we delve into Web3 and Dawa Darcel's um, so thanks ever so much, Craig. Really great to catch up with you again. Thanks, Ben. Pleasure as always.